This morning we're beginning a new series in the book of Luke. So if you have a copy of God's Word, look with me. The book of Luke, chapter 5, as we begin reading with verse 1. On Sunday night, I'm studying, we're looking at the book of John, verse by verse. But in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at passages from the book of Luke. The series is entitled, Lessons from Luke, and here's why. We're going to be looking at people having an encounter with Jesus. And whenever you have a personal encounter with Jesus, you're going to be changed. I promise you. If you are going to have an encounter with Jesus, your life is going to be changed somehow. In fact, I'll go further than that. If you're here today and you tell me that you've had a personal encounter with Jesus and you haven't been changed, then I doubt you really had a personal encounter with Jesus. You may know something about him. But if you are ever confronted with a personal Jesus, he's going to change your life some way. He's going to challenge you. He's going to uh, ask you to do something. Something's going to happen. And that's what we're going going to be looking at the next few weeks. And so we begin with this story found in the book of Luke chapter 5 about Jesus calling a man to be his disciple. His name is Simon. Now later I'll be calling him Peter because Jesus changes his name. But look at the passage, Luke chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. Now it happened while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of the Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got in one of the boats, which was Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, as we look at this passage, let us not just look at it as a historical event. But, Father, use it as a catalyst to change us. Speak to us, Father, today in a very personal way. And use us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This story is very simple, yet it's very amazing. Jesus is going to call Simon, Simon Peter, to follow him, to be one of his disciples. But to do that, Jesus needs to get Simon's attention. And so he asked Simon to cast out his net into the deep water, which, by the way, we'll see in a few moments, makes no sense. And that's the key to this story. 
when he tells Peter, I want you to go out into the deep and cast out your nets. Now, I want you to think about this. If Peter did not go out into the deep and if he did not cast out his nets, the story changes. Everything changes. One event changed Peter's life. One event in obedience changed everything. His life changed because he was willing to take a risk for Jesus. All of us. There's going to be a time when God will ask you to do something that's going to be a risk. And if you do it, it will change your life. There's going to come a time in your life that God is going to ask you to do something, to believe something, and it's going to change your life if you do it. So the question is this morning, for those here and those online, are you ready for that? Are you ready for God to use you in a very personal, powerful way? Are you ready for God to use you in a supernatural way? If you are, then get ready because God is going to ask you to do something. He's going to ask you, figuratively, to launch into the deep and cast your nets. So the question is, are you willing to launch into the deep based on his promises and have him change your life in a supernatural way? Or do you want to play it safe and stay by the shore, taking no risk, just going about life without taking any chances? And if that's your answer, you're going to miss out on God's blessings. So let's look at the story. Jesus is at the Lake Gennesaret, which is, by the way, the Sea of Galilee, and he's teaching. The fishermen had been fishing all night, and, and Jesus gets into one of the boats, Simon Peter's boat, and says, could you uh, push me off a little bit? Because if you're going to talk to a crowd by the water, it's best to have the water behind you. And so Jesus goes out a little in the water, in the boat, and begins to teach. When he finishes teaching, he's going to ask a question. He asked Peter in verse 4, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Peter, thank you for letting me use your boat. Now take your boat and go out into the deep and throw out the nets and you'll catch something. Again, the question is, will Peter do this? Will he go out into the deep? Will he actually cast out his net? Will he do what Jesus said? Because I want you to notice, this is a test and it's an assignment. It's a test. Peter, are you going to do it? But it's an assignment because Jesus told him to. And it's not go out there and hope you catch something. Jesus promised him, if you go, you will catch something. So the question is, Peter, are you going to do it? Please understand, many times God is going to ask you to go into the deep, to cast your net. There are going to be assignments from God in your life. There are going to be tests from God in your life. And this is a, going to show you what God is going to use you or how God is going to use you in life. God gives us assignments. And when we're obedient to that assignment, he gives us a bigger assignment and then a bigger assignment and then a bigger assignment. And you may be here this morning, and this doesn't describe you at all. I've got great news for you. It's not too late. We need to cast our nets. And all that means is we're trusting God and accepting our assignments from him. So this morning, I want to look at this passage to see how God gets us to cast our nets. 
First of all, to, cast, to get us to cast our nets, God will test our faith. God will test our faith. Jesus is going to call Peter to follow him, but first he's asked Peter to take a risk and to show his faith to Jesus. Again, let me say this. Our assignments from God are based on how we pass the faith test he's already given to us. Our assignments from God are based on how we pass the faith test he's already given to us. And Jesus is going to test Peter's faith before he gives him the assignment. Now, to understand this, you have to understand something about fishing in this time, in this time period. You have to understand the, the time of day and the types of nets. First of, all, first of all, the time of day. In this time period, they're fishing, they're commercial fishermen. You fished all night. You fished early in the morning or all night because that's when the fish would come up to feed. During the day, it's too hot. The fish will go to the bottom. So you never fish in the middle of the day. You never fish when it's hot. You fish at the cool of the night or early in the morning. That's the only time you fish. The second thing is to know the types of nets. If you're a fisherman in Jesus' day, you have three types of nets. The first net is called the drag net, which you can imagine what that means. It, it, it was a net that you literally dragged behind your boat and you caught fish. It was a large net. At the top of the net, you had cork, so it would float. In the bottom of the net, you had some rocks, and you would cast it out, and then you would move the boat, and you would catch the fish, and you'd pull it in. It's called a drag net. The second type of net most people are familiar with is called the cast net. This is a, a circular net, about 25 feet. You've seen pictures of it. When you take the net, and you throw it out in the water, and then you pull it in for the fish. But there's a third type of net, and that's the type of net they're using. It's called a trammel net, T-R-A-M-M-E-L. It's a special kind of net. It has three different walls, kind of different meshes. And the fish would go through one wall or maybe the second wall, and then they get trapped in that net. And this was a large net, about 500 feet. And some, sometimes you needed two, three, or four boats. And you would cast out this 500-foot net, and then you would pull the net, and the fish would swim and get caught in the net, and then you would pull the net and get the fish. Now, you had to understand, if you're doing this, many times the fish would actually break the net. And, and so you had to mend the net. You had to go through and mend the net. You had to go through 500 foot of netting and mend it. Have you ever checked your Christmas lights on a tree? Imagine 500 foot of netting you had to go check. And so not only that, at the end of the day, you would come in and then you had to wash the nets because if you didn't wash the nets, they would rot. And this is your livelihood. So you would fish all night, then you would come and you would mend the net and then you had to wash the net. That's the kind of netting that this story is all about. That's the kind of netting you would use. So here's Peter and his friends. They've been fishing all night. And by the way, even if you didn't catch anything, this was hard work. I mean, you had to pull that netting, 500 feet of netting. You had to pull it with, and your shoulders are hurting, your back's hurting, your arms are hurting, your lower back's hurting. And you had fish in it. You had to be very strong to do this. And now they're tired. And they're exhausted. And they're dejected. And they're not in a happy mood because I know fishermen who don't catch anything, they're never in a happy mood. They're angry. And in that setting, Jesus is going to say, go back out. 
Faith must be tested. And you never know when it's going to come. When Peter got up that morning, he had no idea his faith was going to be tested. To him, it was just an ordinary day. Just going to, going to the job. But that was the day God was going to give him a test to launch out in the deep and cast the net. Please understand, you never know when the testing is going to come, but God is always working around us. And what Jesus told them is ridiculous and it's illogical, but he's testing their faith. Second, to get us to cast our nets, God requires our obedience. God requires our obedience. Whenever God tests our faith, I promise you, it means you have to be obedient to God. You cannot do great work for God without being obedient to what God has already told you. It's impossible. So look what Jesus says in verse 4. He says, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Hey, Peter, here's what I want you to do. I know you're finished, and I go back out there. Now, this goes against everything Peter's ever learned about fishing. Now, in Peter's mind, maybe Jesus was just a teacher. Maybe Jesus was a carpenter, but Jesus was not a fisherman. You did not go back out, and you did not go out at that time of day. This is ridiculous. This is foolishness. But many times, God is going to ask us to do something. Some of the commands of God may look foolish to us, but it's not foolish to God. And God desires disciples who are going to be totally dependent and totally obedient to him. Do you, know, do you know what it means to be totally obedient to God? I mean, think about it. When God tells you to do something, you do it no matter what. That's total, totally being obedient to God. For example, in our story, we are to be obedient when we do not understand. We are to be obedient when we do not understand. These fishermen had no idea what Jesus was talking about. You want us to go back out? This is, humanly speaking, foolishness. You did not go back out after you've cleaned your nets. I mean, it's like you change the oil in your car, you clean it up, and then someone says, change the oil again. It's like changing a light bulb, and then you put up the ladder, and then someone says, I want you to change the light bulb again. It's like cutting the grass, you, you clean the lawnmower, and then someone says, now go cut the grass again. This makes no sense. And verse 5, Luke says... Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. I love that. He, he didn't say we just worked. He said we worked hard. We are exhausted. And then he says the New American Standard, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. Now, by the way, I love the King James Version better on this. The King James Version says that Peter says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nets. I love that. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nets. That's a powerful word, nevertheless. Lord, this makes no sense, but nevertheless, I'm going to do it. You see, a lot of Christians, they want to be if Christians and not nevertheless Christians. You see, if Christian says, Lord, I will do this if it makes sense to me. Lord, I'll do this if, it, if it's convenient for me. Lord, I do this if I understand what you're asking me to do. But the real follower of Christ will say, nevertheless, I'll do it. In fact, I submit to you, is it even possible to be an if Christian? If you're telling God, I'll do it if, is it even possible? 
we need to be nevertheless disciples. God, it's not convenient, but nevertheless, I'll do it. God, this is impossible, but nevertheless, I'll do it. God, this is really not a good idea, but nevertheless, I'll do it. When we are confronted with the word of God and we don't understand and we still say, nevertheless, I'll do it. There's a lot that God will ask you to do that will make no sense. Tithing makes no sense mathematically. God says you will live better on 90% than 100%. That does not work out on paper, but God said do it. Taking a day of rest, one day a week. God says you can get more done in six days than seven days if you dedicate one day to me. Makes no sense. Forgiving makes no sense. God says you are to forgive that person who betrayed you and hurt you, and you said that makes no sense, but God says do it anyway. Reading the Bible makes no sense. Here's a book 1,500 years old that's going to make a difference in my life in 21st century America, but God said do it. Turning the other cheek, that makes no sense. Someone has uh, did something to you, and, and God says don't retaliate. And In fact, we are to bless them. That makes no sense, but God says to do it. We are to be, nevertheless, we are to be obedient even when we do not understand. Secondly, we need to be obedient even when we are tired. Even when we are tired. These men worked all night. They want to get back to their families. They want to go lie in their beds. They were physically, emotionally, they were drained. Remember, they caught nothing. This is their livelihood. Surely this could be an excuse not to do what Jesus said. Lord, I'm tired. No. He said, nevertheless, I'll do it. Being tired or being weary is never an excuse for not being obedient. God, I'm tired. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. Not an excuse. God, I, I'm tired. I, I, I don't want to have my devotional time today. Not an excuse. God, I'm tired. I, I, I don't want to pray. Not an excuse. God, I'm tired. I don't want to share my faith today. Not an excuse. God, I'm tired. I don't want to help people. I don't want to do that mission project. That's not an excuse. I mean, that's what Peter said. Peter said, Lord, we worked hard all night, but nevertheless. When we are tired, the temptation is not to do anything. Vince Lombardi is credited with the statement, fatigue makes cowards of us all. It's hard to obey God when we're tired. But weariness should never keep you from obeying God. Lord, I'm tired of staying in this marriage, but do what God says. I'm tired of teaching in the Bible, life groups or discipleship groups. Do what God says. I'm tired of sharing my faith. Well, that person has never listened to me. They've never accepted Christ. Well, keep doing it anyway. I'm tired, Lord, of loving my neighbor. I keep loving my neighbor, and they keep betraying me. God says, do it anyway. Lord, I'm tired of forgiving. I'm always forgiving that person. I'm forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. Nothing happens. God says, do it anyway. We are to be obedient even when we are tired. Third, we are to be obedient even when it involves risk. We're to be obedient even when it involves taking a risk. I don't think we understand in our culture the risk they took. The people were watching them mend their nets and wash their nets. So they know that these men have fished all night and they know they caught nothing. 
Now they're about to get back in their boats and go out into the water at the time of day when you never catch anything. This is a risk. They're going to be made fun of. They're going to be made jokes about these guys. They're going to be an embarrassment to their children. They're going to be an embarrassment to their friends. They're taking a risk going out. They just clean their nets and they're going out. Listen, whenever you follow Christ, you're going to take risk. I mean, that's why Jesus said, take up the cross daily. We are to die daily. It costs you everything to follow Jesus. And by the way, and if you're not, then really are you a disciple. And here they're taking this risk as they're going out. What would people think? But Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word. I mean, look at the Bible. How many men and women of God took risk? Abraham, this middle-aged man, walked into the desert, according to the Bible, and God said, walk into the desert until I tell you to say stop. That's a risk. Moses, or well, Noah. Noah built an ark. He built a boat in his front lawn, and, and there's no rain clouds. That took a risk. Moses went to the most powerful man in the world and said, let my people go. That's a risk. Joshua took a risk by, here's the battle plan. We're going to walk around Jericho a few times and blow the horns, and it's going to fall down. Trust me on this. David took a risk by going into the valley, facing a giant who was trained to kill when he was a youth. And here's Peter. He's taking a risk, going out in the deep with everyone watching and everyone thinking he's foolish and becoming the laughing stock of the community, losing his standing in the community, embarrassing his friends and his family by listening to Jesus. When you obey Christ, the world will think you're foolish. I promise you. When you obey Christ, I promise you, the world's going to think you're foolish. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. When we follow Christ, the world is going to laugh at us. But we need to be obedient. Finally, God will use our failures and our successes to get us to cast our nets. God will use our failures and our successes to cast our nets. Jesus is making a disciple of Peter, and he uses a failure. He failed catching fish. That's his profession. He took a failure in Peter's life and used that as the catalyst to call him to follow him. Sometimes it's the failures that God will use the most. Many times it is our failures that God will use as a catalyst for God to use us, or for God to show us that he's still in control. Because what happens when we fail, we start realizing who God is, and we start realizing who we are. Look at Peter. What does he, what does he do? As soon as he's caught no fish, then he sees the fish that Jesus brought. He recognizes that Jesus is God. He starts off by calling him sir, then he calls him Lord. He realizes who Jesus is, and he realizes who he is because he said, depart from me, I'm a sinner. It took a failure in Peter's life to get his attention to show him who Jesus is. It took a failure in Peter's life to show him who he really is. And from his failure, Peter realizes that this Jesus, this is really the Son of God from heaven. 
I don't even have a right to be in your presence. So God will allow failures in your life to get your attention so that you will come to him. God will allow failures in your life so that you will see God as he really is and see you as you really are. But also, I want you to notice this, Peter fails and Jesus got his attention. But verse 11, he leaves everything to follow Jesus. So in other words, in his success, he gave up everything to follow Jesus. Look at verse 11. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, in the Greek language, what that means is as soon as they landed, they followed Jesus. They left their boats, they left their fish, they left their nets, they left everything to follow him. In his success, he let go of everything to follow Jesus. It took a failure to get his attention, but sometimes God uses our success. Are you willing to let go? Are you willing to let go? So Peter left his job. He left his social standing to follow Jesus. Peter left his financial security to follow Jesus. Peter left his career, family business to follow Jesus. Now, to follow Jesus, he had to let go of something because it's impossible to hold on to everything and follow Jesus. You have to let go of something. And he had to let go of something good in order to have the best God offers. Did you notice that? He had to let go of something good, his business, in order to have the best that God offers. And so Peter let go of his success and everything to follow Jesus. You may be here this morning. You may be watching online. There's something you're holding on to that you need to let go of. Because as long as you're holding on to whatever it is, you can never follow God completely. It may be your success. It may be your failure. I don't know. But there's something you're holding on to so tightly that you're saying, God, I'll give you 99% of my life, but I can't give you this. That is what God wants. God wants you to release and let go to follow him. It's an incredible story. I mean, Peter is about to change his life. I mean, one day he's on a boat, and the next day he's following Jesus down some dusty road. One day you're arguing about where to cast your nets, and the next day you're arguing with the Pharisees. One day you're you're washing the fish smell out of your robe, and the next day you're watching Jesus raise somebody from the dead. One day you owned a business, and the next day you're the leader of the apostles. And none of that would have happened if he had let, not let down the nets. Peter's obedience and his faith, Jesus gave him a greater task. And Jesus said in verse 10 something interesting. He said, you will be catching men. A little play on words there. That word catching in the Greek language means to catch something alive and keep it alive. Usually describing army when they capture a prisoner and they don't execute. Here's what Jesus is saying. Peter, you've been catching fish alive, but then you kill them. That's it. But if you follow me, you'll catch men and they'll live forever. You follow me. And you will change eternity in people's lives. One of those well-known stories in the business world was John Scully. 1983, John Scully was the president of Pepsi-Cola. That's all he knew. 
John Scully did an incredible job. In fact, if you go back and look at Pepsi-Cola, it was John Scully who really got it to be known as a, a worldwide branding. But a 26-year-old co-founder of Apple named Steve Jobs wanted him to work at Apple. And that already interviewed about 20, 20 other candidates. And Steve Jobs was so unimpressed with them. He spent about five months trying to get with John Scully, trying to get him to come work for Apple. He offered him anything. He offered him so much. But Scully said, I don't, I don't care. I love what I'm doing, and I don't want to leave. And then Steve Jobs asked the most, that famous line. He said, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life, or do you want to come with me and change the world? And Scully couldn't get that out of his head. He said at night, he thought about that phrase. Am I just selling sugar water? That's all I'm doing. And Apple's going to change the world. And finally, he took the offer. But here's Jesus talking to Peter. Peter, you want to spend your life just catching fish that's going to die anyway? Or do you want to follow me and catch people to give them eternal life? And Peter left everything. He let go of the good to take hold of the best. This morning, God wants to change your life. If you're here this morning, you're watching online, you've never given your life to Christ, God wants to change your life. He wants to give you eternal life. You see, Jesus came, he died for your sins. All your sins was placed upon Jesus 2,000 years ago. And now you can have eternal life by accepting Jesus, by admitting you're a sinner, saying, God, I can't save myself. By believing that Jesus Christ did die on a cross for your sins, was buried, and the third day arose. And by confessing, by agreeing with God, and you give God everything in your life. Not 99%, but 100%. If you're here this morning, you're watching online, you want to do that, we ask you to do it today. If you're online, if you would like to make that decision, if you would text us the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call today. If you're here today and you want to make that decision, in a few moments we'll be singing, you can just come to the front, talk to me or one of the ministers, or after the service, go to the Connection Center and talk to a minister there. But do not hesitate because God wants to change your life. But there's a second invitation here this morning. The question is, if you are here and you're a believer, if you're watching online and you're a believer, are you truly obedient? Is there something God is asking you to do? Is there something God telling you to do and you haven't done it? Is there something you're holding back? Have you been playing it safe on the shore? Or does God want you to cast out in the deep and throw down the nets? Will you make that decision today? God wants to change your life. God doesn't want us to be close to the shore. God wants us to recommit our lives and say, God, I'm willing to follow you anywhere and everywhere. Do whatever you ask to change the world. To the world... It's going to be foolishness. But to God, it's wisdom. Would you stand and bow your heads? Father in heaven, forgive us when we go through the motions. Father, when we play it safe, we care more about our comfort than following you. Father, I pray this morning that you'll speak to us. Father, for that person who's never given their life to you in a personal way, Father, let today 
Today be that day they make the decision to follow you. No more hesitation. No more delay. Let them come and give their life to you. Father, for that believer who even this morning as I was talking, they really don't believe they can live a supernatural lifestyle. They are hearing the words, Father, but they really don't believe you can turn everything around. Let them be obedient today. Let them take the risk. Let them say yes. It may be as simple as just sharing their faith. It may be as simple as letting go of something. It may be the call to the ministry, call to the missions. It may mean letting go of anger. Father, whatever it may be, show them right now that you are offering a supernatural power to live. And we can change the world. Speak to us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.